could talk. You know, let me say this as you're coming in and you're finding your seat this morning. Let me say this about this series. That uh, when it was, when Holy Spirit really put it in my heart to, to teach the series, it was probably as interesting to me as it, as it is to you, just the idea if trees could talk. And when I, we were in an intercession on Wednesday morning, and it's often an intercession that he will plant something in me that we will end up building on. And I begin to think about all the different ways that trees throughout scripture communicated a message. I begin to consider Noah and the ark. I considered Christ and the tree. I considered Christ and the fig tree. I considered Abraham and the oaks of Mamre. And I considered all of these different, the, the balsam trees and the battle that was won by the, because the angels went before the armies of Israel or the army of Israel. And I think about all of these trees and all the ways that trees are mentioned. And it just began to provoke me and it began to stir me and it, and, and I started asking the question while we were in, in intercession. If trees could talk, what would they say? If, if I could have a conversation with a tree that has seen so much more than me, what would that tree say to me? If you could have a conversation with a tree, what would it say to you? And last week, I set the foundation for what this series was going to do. And I gave some instances of some trees that were and are very old. Um, I was reminded after service that the senator that is in Longwood that was 3,500 years old actually was burned down um, by uh, someone smoking crack or something uh, outside the trees, true story, and burned that tree down. But it was 3,500 years old when it died. And then I shared with you another tree out, I think it was in Nevada, that was 4,900 years old. And then I shared with you about the tree that is the oldest living tree in the world out in, where was it at? Do you all remember? I don't have my notes on that, but Utah. I think that one was in Utah, and it's over 80,000 years old. So when you get an idea, but the average tree, if you average all the trees for the length of age that they live, the average life of a tree is 10,000 years. So you might have one tree that lives... 20 years, and you have another tree that lives 80,000. So the average of all trees, the average lifespan is about 10,000 years. That's a long time. There's a lot that a tree can see in a 10,000-year span. When you consider that there are trees standing probably in the state of Florida that were alive when Christ hung on the cross. No doubt they're alive in the state of Florida. That were alive when he hung on the cross. What would it say to us about Florida at the time of Christ? You know, when you consider these things, there's just so much that's within a tree. And this is where this series was born because it provoked something in me. Why trees? Why are they so important in scripture? The only living thing mentioned more than trees in the Bible is mankind. Nothing is mentioned more in scripture than trees than man. I was about to get it backwards. I had to make sure I got that right. That's amazing to me. You cannot get through nearly any chapter, near, certainly any book of scripture, whether in the first or second testament, you cannot get through any book or any, certainly any chapter without in some way being addressed or seeing a reference to trees and what they have for you and me. So we're going to continue to explore the lessons that we can learn and find out whose purpose was directly, directly tied uh, to these 
moments and to trees and the events and the effects that those trees had on us. So if these trees could talk, what would they say of what they have seen? So we're going to dive in this morning. And the first thing I want to talk about is the language of a tree. I think if we're going to hear what a tree has to say, we need to be able to speak its language. When's the last time you walked by a tree and it said, yo, <laughs> hey, I have something to say. When? Never. But when's the last time you walked by a tree and you couldn't help but even if you were on a mission to get somewhere, you could not help but pause for a moment and stand there and just look at that tree. Maybe you were sitting on a swing at the park and you're swinging your children or you're out there playing or you're at a barbecue or you're out in the yard, whatever it might be you're doing and suddenly a tree catches your eye and you, all you can do is focus on that tree and think about what has that tree seen? My wife and I sold our house recently, about two months a month ago. We sold our home. And when we sold our home, we bought some property to build another home on. And when we bought the property, it had, this property was, I mean, just, some of you have seen it, but it's packed with trees. I mean, there's just, it's, it's a forest. It is a dense forest, or at least it was, a dense forest of trees. On that dense forest of trees, there were 152 pine trees. 152 pines. Now, I don't particularly care for pines because where there is a pine, there are cones. Where there are cones, there's somebody behind them picking them up. And now that my kids are out of the house and I'm an empty nester, that someone is me. So at our previous property, we had 13 trees and it was an endeavor to keep up with the cones. On this property, there was 152 and it just wasn't going to work out well. Something had to give. So... We wanted to keep all the beautiful live oaks and laurel oaks, water oaks that were on the property. We wanted to keep all of those, as many as we certainly could. And we wanted to get rid of all of the pines, not because they weren't good, but because they served their purpose. They were put there. They grew in order to make telephone poles. So we had them cut down, and the people that were cutting them down, they could sell them, and they could be the pole out in front of your house next week. But... In the process of this, we're walking the property and we're looking at all of these pine trees and we come across one right in the middle of the property that is massive. It clearly was not planted by any forestry department. This thing was, it's so big. In fact, I took a picture of a couple of my kids with their arms wrapped around this thing, two of them with their arms all wrapped around. It's massive. It's just a massive tree. And my wife and I, we looked at this tree in the middle of all of these beautiful oaks and we said, we have to keep this one. And we're going to call it Big Ben. And when you look up at this tree and you see the canopy on this tree and what it's capable of and what it does, it just, it, it literally... Just It can take your breath away. If you appreciate trees and you appreciate what they go through to get to where they are, it will take your breath away. And you look up at this thing and it's massive. So now that the land is mostly cleared, not cleared, but cleaned up, and you look through it and you see all of these gorgeous oaks that are going to be able to breathe again because the pines that were artificially planted were causing the trees that were natural to begin to die out. Because the canopy, there's a message in that, the canopy of those pines were keeping the sunlight from getting to the live oaks that are beautiful, that are natural, natural, and it was causing them to be stunted and to be deformed, and we'll come to that in a moment. But it was suppressing the ability for the oaks to be able to be what they were purposed to be. Man didn't put the oak there. Yahweh did. So that oak had a purpose. 
Now man put pines there. And they did too. Or they also had a purpose. But it wasn't the purpose of God. It was the purpose of man. So when the purpose of man got in there, sort of like the Tower of Babel, when man gets his idea in there and they think they can do better, the reason the Father destroyed Babel is because it was, had the potential of supplanting the view, the ability for God to be what was seen first or who is seen first. So in trees, as the oaks would be stunted and these pines begin to grow and they begin to cover and they begin to create this canopy of blindness to the things that God put there on purpose, when they begin to do that, something has to give. So this is what happened. We, we took all of those pines out so that these oaks now, over time, are going to begin to express themselves again. They're going to begin to spread their branches out. You've got these gorgeous, beautiful oaks on this property that are huge. Some of them are massive, and they've got this little bitty canopy because they could not get to where they needed to be because they were being blinded out. Sometimes when the righteousness of God comes in and we recognize and we discern what is of God and what is not, when we begin... To weed out what is not of God, it's amazing what is of God can do. Did anybody hear what I just said? Let's talk about this. The language of a tree. So the language of a tree is not found in the sound that it makes. It is not found in any type of verbalization of words. It's not speaking to you. But it is found in its longevity, in its strength, and in its posture. The language of a tree is found in the way that it carries itself. I want to relate again to on our property. As I look out at those pine trees that were planted by man and they had grown and they were just absorbing all of the sunlight and they were taking up all of what the Father meant for His creation. As those trees began to grow, and people would argue, by the way, well, let me not, not only get sidetracked. These trees begin to grow, and they were absorbing all of that light. I could learn two things from the pines, or something from the pines, and something from the oaks. What I would learn from the pines is, boy, they love this. I can look at that pine, and I can see how straight it's growing. I can see how full its canopy is, and I can hear that pine tree saying, this is wonderful. But then I can look at what Yahweh planted, and I can look at the oaks, and I can see them twisting and turning and trying to get to the light. And I can hear them, if they could talk, I could hear them saying to me, we are being hindered by the oppression of man. We are being hindered by the mind of man when we should be released to become everything that God created us to be. Can you save us? I know that this is a very broad, uh, loose um, representation of maybe how the Father might encourage us to hear from what a tree says. But I can tell you that if trees were important to God, trees are important to us. If trees have something to say to the Father, or the Father has something to say to trees, trees have something to say to us. And if all through Scripture, even Christ Himself, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Adam, Eve, Moses, Noah, 
If all through Scripture you can find where men would look to trees to find out what is it the Father's saying to us, if we could do that and we can understand it isn't about replacing God with a tree, it's about recognizing what He has put before us and drawing out of it everything that He put in it. There is a language in trees and that language is found in its longevity, in its strength, and in its posture. Some of these oaks on our property that should be growing very straight and the trunks should be straight. In those trees' effort to get to the light, they begin to twist and they begin to turn, trying to find their way and grow their way around the darkness and get to the sun. They're trying to find their way through that canopy. Even after cutting down the pines, we still have these oaks that are twisted and turned because it's telling a story. And the story it's telling is, this represents my posture, represents the struggle that I have had in trying to get to what I'm purposed for. My posture right now represents that. I wonder in this room, how many of us, our posture might represent the struggle maybe that we've had to get to the sunlight, to get to the purpose that we were created for. In the process of trying to get there, things have held us back. False expectations. In fact, I wrote a note. I lost it, but I just remembered it. But I wrote a note. (coughs) And in that note, I put one of the things that I said in there was it was talking about expectations. And the moment we do our best to live up to the expectations that others have for us is the moment we yield ourselves to failure. You are never meant, even if you live up to what expectations somebody else has of you, even if you live up to your own expectation of what you have for you, it's going to come up short of what the Father's expectation is of you. It is not possible for you nor I to understand fully the expectation the Father has for us. We only understand here a little, there a little, line upon line, precept upon precept. We understand a little bit at a time of what His expectations are for us and we move into that, but we do not yet see the fullness. But in the process of that, if I can even get, am I making sense? If I can even fathom for a moment... What I believe the Father wants for me today. And I begin to grow towards that. I position myself to grow towards that. What does He want from me? He wants me to be a faithful husband. He wants me to be a faithful, not me, but women. He wants me to be a faithful wife. He wants me to be a faithful son, faithful daughter, faithful grandchild. He wants me to be diligent in my work. Not just heavenly things, by the way. He's not looking for you to just do, be excellent in heavenly things. He's looking for you to be excellent in earthly things. In fact, Scripture says, first the natural, then the spiritual. If I can't be on time at work, I'm not going to be on time in the kingdom. If I'm not excellent on my job, I will not be excellent in the kingdom. If I'm not excellent in my private life, I will not be excellent in my kingdom life. If I'm not excellent in my relationship with my wife, I will no way be excellent in my relationship with Christ. Are you getting me this morning? So if trees could talk, they would say to us, pay attention to what you're looking at. Pay attention to the emphasis that you are putting on expectation. Because when the oak trees, when the nut, when the acorn is in the ground and it begins to split open and the sprout comes forth and it pushes its way through in the beginning, that thing is easily swayed. 
I mean, I could grab that little thing, I could grab that little sapling, and I could pull it out of the ground, and I could chew on its leaf, and I could just absorb whatever's in it, and I could do that. And I could just take away everything that it has. But that little sapling, as it comes out of the ground, it has an expectation. Today, all I need to do is break the soil. All I know is my father planted me here. And my purpose today is to break the soil. I'm going to get to daddy. While I'm buried in the dirt, I don't yet see the sun. But I'm going to break the soil. And he breaks the soil. Woo! If trees could talk, that tree would say, Woo! And he broke the soil. And now he says, my purpose today is to add a leaf. I just need a leaf. Because if I can get a leaf, if I can be faithful and I can, and I can begin to push my roots down deeper and, and the leaves begin to grow, if I can just add a leaf, then that broad surface of that leaf will begin to absorb the, the sunlight and begin to absorb everything that I need to be stronger. So my purpose today, the Father told me, grow a leaf. So I'm going to grow a leaf. I'm not going to worry today about getting an acorn on my branch. I don't even have a branch yet. All I got to pay attention to today, I just want to get a leaf because that's what he said and I'm going to get a leaf. But now if I got a sapling beside me, that's a month ahead of me. And he already has a branch. And I look over at that sapling and that sapling says, man, you are weak. You don't even have a leaf yet. You just broke the ground. Poor thing. You're pitiful. Look at me. I'm grandiose. I got a branch out here with about five leaves on it. Look, I got a little acorn about to pop out right. See that acorn right there? Squirrels are already looking at me. What you going to do? And then that little sapling that doesn't have a leaf yet looks at that thing and it says, you know what? I'm going to focus all of my attention on getting a branch. And he focuses and he focuses and he starts twisting and he starts turning and the posture starts getting off. He's getting out of line with the sun. Where's that branch? I just want a branch. I just need a branch because they said I need a branch. They said I should have a branch. I want squirrels looking at me. And the leaf doesn't come and he spends so much time trying to push that branch out. He twists himself and he turns himself and he misses out on the fullness of his purpose. But the one that grows out there and he says, Father, today I just want a leaf. I got it. <laughs> and now I can breathe. I got all that space. I can take in all of that carbon dioxide. I can take in all of that stuff and begin to recycle. I can begin to produce for people that are all around me. <laughs> I'm going to filter that out. I'm going to do something different. I'm going to go. And all these people are going to breathe. And the father's saying, well done. Little tree. Tell the world to breathe. Now get a branch because I'm going to put a few more. And he said I could have a branch and, and sapling over here. He says, oh, you're just not getting a branch. Now I got an acorn. Look, I got birds now nesting in my branches. 
I'm bad to the bone. You're too slow. And this little sapling over here says, shut up. That's a bad word. Bad words. Quiet. Talk to the hand. <laughs> Today, I'm going to focus on the branch. I'm going to focus on more leaves. Then the next day, I'm going to focus on the acorn. And then the next day, I'm going to focus on creating leaves that are big enough to hold bird's nest. Then the next day, I'm going to focus on whatever. I'm going to begin one day at a time. I'm going to hear him. The language of a tree is found in its longevity. It's found in its posture. How long can it make it? How long will it last? How's, what is it going to do with adversity? When adversity comes, when the pine trees grow over the top of it and begin to cover out its canopy and begin to shed its light, what's it going to do? And this is what the oak tree does. The oak tree will begin to twist and it'll begin to turn and it's going to find its way. That little sapling is going to say, you might try, do your best. Do your best. Everybody say, do your best. This is what you're going to say to that thing that's trying to choke you out today. If trees could talk, they would say, do this. Everybody say, do your best. That thing that's trying to choke you out, the tree would say, do your best. Tell it to do your best. And you twist and you turn because the strength of the tree is found in its longevity. In its, I mean, the, the, the language is found in its longevity and in its, in its strength and in its posture, how it carries yourself. I'm going to ask you this this morning. How's your strength? How's your posture? How's your longevity? How is it? So what happens when, if, if a tree could talk, the tree would say to you this morning, it would say the hopes, the dreams, the things that you've been wanting and you've been looking forward to that haven't happened yet. How's your longevity? How's your posture? Did you give up? Did you just say, oh, I'm not going to make it. I got this little bitty leaf and that dude's got a whole limb. Kill me now. Round up. Come get me. Or are you going to say, no, I'm pressing through this thing. Trees find to reach the heavens regardless of any attempts to keep it down. They bend around anything in, the, in their way in order to reach the sun. Trees naturally, by the purpose of God, find a way to get to the light. And then they bury their roots deep. The language of a tree is, I'm going to put my roots down deep and I will not be shaken. So while the top, while I may be twisting and turning, trying to get around the expectations so many others have on me, I may twist and turn around those things because they, they, I'm constantly bombarded with their expectations. I choose to do what the Father and be what the Father's called me to be. And I'm going to send my roots down deep so when the winds of adversity do blow, when the challenges do come, because they will, when the hurricanes come, when whatever, the tornadoes come, when the rains come, when the floods come, when the wash, washouts come, whatever it might be, when they come, I'm going to be ready because I am a tree with a will and I was planted intentionally. I was planted on purpose. Say it with me. I was planted on purpose. If trees could talk, what would they say to you? They would say, grow straight, baby. Grow straight, baby. Take your time. Take your time. Am I a tree? Psalm 1, 4, Psalm chapter 1. Let's read this this morning. Psalm chapter 1, beginning with verse 1, reads like this. It says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. We used to sing a song uh, like this. I don't know. I can't remember if we did it here. I don't remember. that There is a song like this. He is like a tree. Planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, not a day before and not a day after. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, 
he prospers. But the wicked are not so. But instead are like chaff that the wind drives away. Am I a tree? The only person that can answer that question is you. And I was going to, I told you that in the beginning I was going to help you understand why we're doing this thing on trees because to some it might seem like a silly thing. But again, I want to remind you we're doing this thing on trees because trees are important to the Father and we can learn a lot from them. He says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. First of all, if there were nothing else in this verse, If that was all that this said, and nothing else was spoken here, that alone would do a lot for a lot of people. You wouldn't even need anything else to be said. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. So you would ask the question, if I want to be blessed, what's my option? Don't walk in the counsel of the wicked. What does that mean? Doesn't mean that you're going to see somebody that is wicked and you're saying, can you tell me how to live my life? It's just being in the wrong place. Don't be with people that are not growing in the same direction you are. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners. It's an interesting statement right there, those two things put together. Blessed is he who does not walk in the counsel or with the wicked, but also blessed is he who doesn't stand in their way. So how do I walk not with the wicked and at the same time not stand in their way? Because I'm a testimony. Because I'm a testimony. That's another subject. But his delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. In the mind of God, to be referred to as a tree is to be considered strong and unwavering, purposeful and full of life, fruit-bearing and prosperous. I'm a fly fisherman. So when I go to a river, wherever that river might be, I like rivers. You can fly fish in the ocean. I've tried that a couple times. It was a near-death experience. I was literally hitting myself in the head with a fly and the hook. But I like fly fishing in the rivers because I'm really comfortable with a five or six weight rod. In salt water, you have to use about a nine weight rod. It's a lot heavier. It's a lot more difficult to, to fish with. But I'm really comfortable with a five, six weight rod and less. And I like to get out there in those little streams. And I'll go out in those cold waters and I'll wade out into those things. And I'll, whenever we go somewhere, that I can fly fish, and I'll take that fly rod, and I'll just lay out there, and the first thing I look for is find out what's behind me. If you've never fly fished, what you have to know is you need as much space behind you as you have in front of you. So if I'm planning on putting my fly in the back of this building, whatever that might be, if I'm planning on putting, let's just use this number, if I'm planning on putting my fly out there 30 feet, I need 30 feet behind me. Because every time I cast my fly, and then I load it, which is, it's coming back. And when that fly, when I lay it out there, I don't put it on the water, but it's in the air, and it makes that loop, and it comes back, and you do it just right with your wrist, and that fly, that line is curving behind you. It's unrolling, basically. That line is unrolling, and when it gets all the way behind you, whatever length you let it go, it's loading up. That's called loading. And that fly will load, and you'll feel a slight tug when that fly is straightened out, and you know it's at its distance. And then right before you bring it forward again to 
get you some more line, you pull the line out on your flight. You've seen them do it. So they'll do this, they'll do this, and they'll do that. So it's a motion. And you're casting that thing out. And every time it's going forward, depending on how much line you pull out, you need that much space behind you. So when I go to a river and I look to see what's in front of me or what's behind me, I'm always looking to make sure that there aren't trees that are going to be in my way because the tree, no matter how high it is, it could be high or low, it's going to catch my fly. But I also notice when I get to these trees, for the times that I've hung up in a tree, a lot, thinking I could get around that tree when I hang up into that tree. You can grab the thing I love about a tree that's planted by the water is any type of tree, whether it be a birch tree, whether it be a cypress, whatever it might be that's planted by the water. When you find a tree that is by the water, you'll all, one thing you'll notice about it is the flexibility of the tree because it has more water content than any other tree. So the tree is very flexible. It has the ability to both, it's strong, it keeps the banks from eroding, the roots of the tree keeps everything going where it's supposed to be, keeps the dirt in place, and yet the tree is, so it's strong, and also the tree is extremely flexible. So when I get a fly up in a tree, I don't often worry about it because I can take that little four-pound test line, fly line, and I can pull that fly line, and it will pull a big branch. I can almost pull that thing back down to me to undo my fly, because, not my, you get what I'm saying, <laughs> to undo that, take off that fly. That, that goes a lot of ways. But... I can pull that line and get that branch down and I can take that fly off because of the flexibility of the tree. If I ask myself if trees could talk, am, do I qualify as a tree? Tree. If I could walk up to that cypress or to that birch tree that's on the side of the river, if I could walk up to that and I could say, am I a tree? Do I qualify as a tree? What would that tree say to me? Would it say, excuse me, Hold on, I got a sneeze coming. Would that tree say to me, no, because you're too rigid. You're not flexible enough. Or would that tree say to me, you're like a tree planted by the living water. You're like a tree planted by the water. You both, in Psalm 1, you, both, you do both things. You are blessed because you do not walk in the counsel of the wicked. And you are blessed because neither do you stand in their way. You don't say to them, you're wicked and you have no place in the kingdom. You don't walk with them but you make sure that there's room for them to walk in. You don't get in the door and you don't say to them, you know what, you're not welcome to come here because you don't fit our mold. You don't dress like we do. You don't talk like we do. You don't believe like we do. You don't do the things we do. You don't get in their way. You say, hey, listen, the door's open. Come and learn at your own pace. That's the nature of the kingdom. And that's the flexibility of being a tree that's planted by living water, planted by the water. If I'm planted by the water, I'm both strong. I know who I am. I'm not going to forget that I'm a birch tree, or I'm not going to forget that I'm a cypress tree. But I'm also going to be flexible enough so that I can bend and be bent in such a way that I can be helpful to those that are around me. So am I a tree today? I ask you today, what would a tree planted by the water say to you? How would you be found if trees could talk? I said in the meeting this morning... One of the things, and I'm about to get into one of the situations, but I said before we came out this morning and we prayed, I said, today my aim was, there were three things that I wanted to talk about, three people related to trees that I really wanted to discuss. And as I begin to get into that, I begin to realize, Holy Spirit began to make me aware 
I can't dive into this person without going back a little bit so that they can understand why this person was that way. This was one of those things. Being a tree planted by the water, we can't understand Christ if we don't understand his flexibility. We cannot understand Christ and his passion, his strength to do what is right, and yet his flexibility to invite people in who had not even yet received him. He was flexible enough to say to a tax collector, follow me, even if you don't know me. He was flexible to say to fishermen on a boat, follow me, even if you're caught up in religion. Follow me. I'm not worried about your religion. I'm not worried about the taxes you collect. I'm not worried about the baggage you bring in. I'm strong enough to know who I am and what I bring to the table. And at the same time, I'm flexible enough to say, come and sit at my table. Are you a tree? Are you that kind of tree? So let's talk about Christ. In John chapter 15, he says this. He said, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he will prune it so that it will bear more fruit. Once again, I'm the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. I'm the vine. And if you get dressed, don't blame me. He said, I'm the vine. You are connected to me. If your wings get clipped, that's not on me. That's on my daddy. Accept that. Receive that. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he will take away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he will prune so that it will bear more fruit. Someone said, and I don't know who this someone is, but someone said this, and I loved this statement. I don't remember where I heard it. The only thing Jesus ever harmed was a tree. And the only thing that could harm him was a tree. Referring to the fig tree experience, when he cursed the fig tree and the tree that he hung on, the cross. I want to refer to these things. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 13, it says this. It says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. This is what he is referring to. So, one... The only thing that ever hurt him or that he ever hurt or he ever harmed is the right word, is a tree. And the only thing that ever harmed him was a tree. When Christ went on the cross and he died on the cross, it was intentional that he was hanged on a tree. I said this last week, but I'm going to say it again. The way most people were killed or the way most people were punished in those days wasn't that they were hung on a tree, though there were some that were, obviously, but it was rare. Most people that were killed or punished for whatever crime that they might have committed, they were stoned outside the walls of the city. There were a lot of ways, that, I don't want to go into all the gory details, but they were boiled in oil. They were, there were a lot of ways that they were killed that did not include being hung on a tree. But for Christ, it was important that he be hung on a tree. We'll get to the why next week, and I'll tell you the quick, quickie is because in the beginning, there wasn't in the beginning. Trees had everything to do with in the beginning. We're going to get to that next week. Everything to do with in the beginning. So because of in the beginning, and because Christ is the second Adam redeeming the first Adam, the tree had to be redeemed as well. We'll get to that next week. Because the tree needed to be redeemed. Just like Adam, the first Adam needed to be redeemed because he ate of the fruit of the tree, of the knowledge and good and evil that he shouldn't have. I'm getting ahead of myself. 
He had to be hung on a tree. It wouldn't have served the purpose for Christ to have been stoned outside the walls of the city. Would not have served any purpose for Christ to have been boiled in oil. He had to be hung on a tree because the tree had to be redeemed. And because trees are important to the Father, because trees tell a story. In fact, this morning, Sam said something in there and he said, a tree doesn't have to die to tell its story. It doesn't have to die to tell its story. He was watching a National Geographic thing or Discovery thing or whatever it was. And he's watching this where they would bore a, a drill into a tree and they would pull out a core of that tree and they could still tell the story of that tree, what it had breathed in, what was in the air in this year or that century. Between every ring, it tells a story. And every ring speaks of a year that it lived. So a tree didn't have to die to tell its story, but trees have stories. So Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming one for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hanged on a tree. And in order to be the curse for us, he had to be on a tree. If that tree could talk, what might that tree say? Do you know who's hanging on me today? If he were talking to you and me, if he were talking to the other trees, he would say, watch my branches wave. The Son of God is in my limbs today. Salvation has not only come to mankind, but today the trees of the forest have been redeemed as well. And Mark 11 verse 12 says this, on the following day when they came from Bethany, Jesus, Jesus was hungry. And he, seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to see if he could find anything on it. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. Everybody say, it was not the season for figs. Man, years ago, it used to bother me all the time that he, this whole story bothered me because I thought, you know, that poor fig tree didn't do anything. It wasn't even time to have figs. And he killed it. That's like saying, listen, two-year-old. Get in the car, go to the store, and get me a gallon of milk. I can't do that. Well, I curse you. <laughs> it's not their season. That's really not the same. <laughs> On the following day, when they came from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing in the distance a fig tree and leaf, he went to see if he could find anything on it. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. And he said to that tree, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. <laughs> no, he didn't do that. May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard it. And they came to Jerusalem, and he entered the temple, and he began to drive out those. This story, this connection, tells the whole story. And his disciples heard that he cursed that tree that was out of season. And they came to Jerusalem, and he entered the temple, and he began to drive out those who sold and those who bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And he would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. And he was teaching them and saying to them... Is it not written, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. And the chief priests and the scribes heard it and were seeking a way to destroy him, for they feared him because all the crowd was astonished at his teaching. And when the evening came, they went out of the city, and as they passed by in the morning, they saw the fig tree, the disciples saw the fig tree, and it was withered away to its roots. Let's talk about this for a second. Those in the temple had leaves, but they had no fruit. And Christ was not interested in fruit that looked like them. 
So before he could go into the temple, he knew already what was going on in that temple. It's not the first time he went to the temple. So he knew what the practice was in the temple. He was waiting for the moment to use something that the disciples would understand. And nothing on earth lives longer than trees. Nothing on the planet lives longer than trees that is alive. I think that's kind of makes sense by itself. But when he walked by that fig tree, and he saw that fig tree that had leaves but no fruit, knowing that it wasn't the season for that tree to have fruit, in the mind of Christ, his mind was, I know where I'm going from here, and I know where the disciples are going to follow me. And I'm going to demonstrate something. And I'm going to say to this fig tree, tree, I curse you because you have no fruit. No man will ever eat fruit from you again. Nobody is ever going to partake of what you produce. And the disciples are scratching their head. What in the world? That tree's not even supposed to have fruit, man. And, you know, behind the scenes, if you could see it, maybe the disciples were all sitting around the table in their own little tent, and they're saying, man, he's lost it. He thought that tree was supposed to have fruit, but the lesson hadn't come yet. But he said, no man will ever have fruit from you again. You will never produce after yourself again. And then they go into Jerusalem. And they go into the temple. And Christ sees all the money changers. And he sees them selling doves. And he sees them selling trinkets. And he sees them doing everything that is contrary to the gospel. To the truths that need to be shared. The gospel, he was the gospel. But they were doing everything contrary to what was life. To what was truth. And he begins to whip the money changers. And expel them. Gets angry at them. And then they leave. The disciples are watching all of this. And the next day, they go by that same fig tree, and it's withered and it's dead at the roots. If the tree could talk, what would he say? If you're going to produce, produce the right fruit. Produce righteous fruit. The lesson in the story was this, what Christ was saying about that fig tree, what he was teaching the disciples is this, I cursed that tree as a demonstration. The reason I went into that temple and I began to whip those money changers and I began to whip those people that didn't get the truth, they weren't interested in the truth. I don't want them reproducing after their kind. So I cursed their tree. I don't want more money changers in the temple. I want people that are passionate after God. Are you getting this this morning? So what's the fig tree teach us? What's the fig tree say to us? You want fruit that remains. One of the things with our children is we raised our children. You know, if you set all of my kids aside and you ask them, define your father, probably all three of them would have a different definition. I'm the same daddy, but I had to daddy each of them differently. They each required a different response to different things. One I could look at, and they would correct whatever was wrong. Another one I would beat, and they would consider correcting it. <laughs> I didn't beat any. Well, let's ask them. <laughs> yeah. I've got to be careful because this is recorded. The... Um, But each of my, my kids are very different. And if you ask each of them to define me, 
They would each define me in very different ways. But if you ask me to define me, I would say to you this. I think I was a good daddy, but not a great daddy. I was as good as I knew to be. I did the best I knew to do with what I understood. But when I look back over time, there's a lot of things now I would have done very differently than what I did then. And that's probably true of anybody who's a father in this room. And it certainly has been a father for any length of time. There are a lot of things I could have done better to better equip them and to better enable them. But one thing I do know is every day that this daddy breathed, my heart and soul was this, to produce righteous fruit. Everything about my passion was to look into the eyes of my kid and say, Yahweh loves you. Christ died for you. Holy Spirit wants to speak with you. There is a purpose and a plan for you. You are anointed. And if there's anything in me, if there's one thing that I maybe could say, I did well, if I were defining myself, it is that I always pointed my kids back to the Father. Every day I would point them back to him, not imposing that, but saying to them, this is the way, walk in it. And then I would also say to them, of everything, and all of them would tell you this is a true statement, of everything I've ever taught you, don't hang out in that space, build on it. And grow from it. Because you are going to learn more. As you hear Holy Spirit and you draw from the Father and you draw out of Christ. You're going to learn more and you're going to be able to build on that. And you're going to go places. I could not go. I wasn't ready for that. I was still, I had three leaves. But you're going to have five. I had a few branches. You're going to be a massive oak tree. I was a birch. You might be a maple, beautiful red leaves in the fall. Everybody wants to look at you. I am not a maple. (laughs) But he said to the disciples, I want you to learn from this, this fig tree. I didn't curse the tree. Because the tree was bad. I curse the tree because you understand creation. And I'm going to use creation to teach you something about the created. Mankind. And what I don't want is more of those that you're about to meet in the temple. So let me tell you what's happening. And I'm going to make it plain. In a nutshell, way back then, on an open field, standing by a fig tree, the father said, I'm going to kill religion and restore relationship. Because all religion does is reproduce after itself over and over and over. 
Religion leaves no room for growth to know more of God. Religion leaves no place for me to explore the places that man has not yet gone. Religion leaves no place. Theology leaves no place for me to understand that the deepest parts of God have yet to be known. And he said, I'm going to destroy this today because I don't want religion producing religion. I want relationship producing relationship that produces relationship that produces relationship. They think they do good because there's leaves on their tree only because they're wearing the what right robes and they're standing in the right place. They think because they dress nice and they're in the church that all is well. But I'm telling you, I'm killing that. Because I'm not after dressing well in churchgoers. I'm after people who want relationship. Because if people who have relationship produce after themselves, the sapling that comes out of that relationship will be a sapling that is searching for the light, searching for the sun, searching for the Christ, searching for the deepest things of God. Are you hearing me today? If trees could talk, they would say this. There's more to you, more to me, than you think. And there's more to you than you think. If the fig tree could talk, what would he say to you? If the tree planted by water, if you could have a conversation with it today, what would it say to you? Only you know. Only you know the ways that you've been rigid and flexible at the same time. Or rigid and not flexible. Or so flexible, you never became rigid because you were all, your posture was never right. Because you're always listening to the wrong voices. The fig tree. Are we asking the next generation to be exactly like this generation? Or are we encouraging what's coming up behind us to grow beyond where we are? To know Him better. To know Him more. To dig deeper so that they can redeem the earth. You hearing me today? Stand with me if you would please. If trees could talk, they would speak of what they have seen. And they would exhort us to learn from it. The fig would say, I watched the disciples go by. And I watched their response. And I had one day until I died. But in my dying moments, I watched as some said, this is going to be interesting. And others said, this is a waste of time. Then the next day, the fig would say, but now everybody knows. If trees could talk, the one Christ hung on would say, did anyone pay attention to the words that he spoke? Did anybody see his posture while he hung on me? Did anybody pay attention to anything other than the anger that might have rose up because people put him there? Did anybody get that I'm hanging on this tree? If the tree could talk, he would say, did anybody get that he's on me? He's hanging on me of his own will. Does anybody get that? 
Or is everyone stuck trying to figure out why that could happen to such a good man? Because while you're figuring it out, you're missing the point. If trees could talk, they would be saying to us, pay attention to every detail. The Father has so much to say. So much He wants to do. And how we posture ourselves says everything about what kind of tree we are. Amen? I'm not going to do that again. Last week I did like a 10 second pause and didn't say anything. And my wife was like, wow, that seemed like a long time. That's why I do it. That's exactly why I do it. Because I want you to think about what you just heard. Thank you, Chino. Chino, you're just like a <laughs> wonderful... My wife said to me about the trees on our property. Listen, if you're new here, we're very <laughs> just we, fluid, yes. And um, you, you, I think in time, if you don't appreciate it today, you'll appreciate it in time. But um, my wife said to me about the property, she said, how long do you think it's going to take for those oak trees to really express themselves? And I said, it could take five years, could take ten years. Oaks grow slow because that's what makes them hardwoods. But... I said it could take five years, could take ten years, but the day will come. If it's not us, it will be somebody that will witness these trees becoming what they were supposed to be because we took away what man put in that ground that was destroying what God put in the ground. And there's a truth in that for you today. Whatever man has put in the ground, whatever Is hindering your tree from being what it's supposed to be? Take an axe to the root. That's another verse really good. Take an axe to the root. Amen? Amen. Father, you do amazing things amazingly well. You do simple things amazingly well. Today, as we move forward in this series, in this trees and each week as we dig deeper and we, we get closer to what it is that you want to reveal to us in the end. I don't know how long this is going to be. But each week as we dig in, help us to keep our eyes wide open. To be here intentionally. Not only waiting for me to bring truths by what I've heard. But for each of these to bring truths by what they've heard. That each one will hear for themselves what you are saying to them. I give you thanks today, Father, for the people that are gathered here today. For those that don't know you today, that are either watching online or maybe sitting in this, standing in this building, and they don't know you, they have no relationship with you. I love their relationship doesn't come because we stand in front of people. Relationship comes because we repent. And if there is even one watching today, in this room or online, and they are out of relationship with you, they do not know who you are. Help them today see who you created them to be. May they repent. May it be in their heart.
to ask you to forgive them. And we know what you will do. Change their life. Make them whole. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.